Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out. out. Here we are in the home stretch. This is the six reasons why employer brands fail. This is part three. So the final two reasons I'm going to reveal. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the first two episodes, the previous two episodes, where I talk about things like, uh, gosh, what did I say? (laughs) That it reflects politics, not reality. That, uh, where am I going? Poorly defined goals, uh, built on the wrong stuff, that sort of thing. So listen to the other episodes. I kind of describe them and and define them a little more clearly, I hope. Uh, But today we're going to talk about the last two big reasons employer brands fail. They're a little more intertwined. So uh, frankly, unpacking them and separating them is going to be interesting. So come along and join us and uh, let's see why employer brands fail. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. And I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Housekeeping as usual. We have the newsletter. It's every Monday. Lots of articles and stories and the stuff you need to stay sharp at employer brand. Just go to employerbrand.news to sign up. It's a no pitching kind of space. It's free and uh, share it to whomever you like. So there you go. Alternately, if you'd like to talk to me and ask me questions, I have open office hours about employer brand type stuff. Just ping me either Twitter, LinkedIn, email, any way that you can reach me. Heck, if you have my text number, if you have a way to Skype at me this inform- this question, I'm happy to respond. You can get 15 minutes for free just to ask me any question you have under the sun about employer brand, your problems, your challenges. How do you think other people would approach it? What do I know about XYZ? Love to talk to you about it. Just pay me and we'll talk about it. So anyway, this series should have theme songs, but I have that. So there you go. This is the budget that we work with, folks. This is the high-level production value that you've come to expect here at the Talent Cast and from me. So let's talk about the last two. Literally, the note I have, and I put it on, a, on little post-it notes, the notes I have, I have the two reasons. I wrote them in an order, and then I flipped them, and then I put a question mark next to flipping them. So I really don't know what order to do this in. So I'm just picking one randomly. I'm just going to do the top one. And this is the idea that you don't properly care and feed your employer brand. Uh, from a content marketing standpoint, care and feeding of the beast, and it always referred to as the beast, uh, is is the second thing you learn after give something of value. The second thing you learn is now do it again. <laughs> there, I've done all content marketing in a nutshell. Give somebody something of value, then do it again. That is all of it. That's really literally 98% of all content marketing is right there in those two sentences. Employer brand is about care and feeding. If you say that you're a thing, if you do good diligence, if you do good research, if you put together and get great buy-in and launch an employer brand, the job has just begun. You are not done in any way, shape, or form. You've got a lot of work to do because 
what do I mean by care and feeding? I mean, how do you build content on it? How do you find more ways to describe it? How do you make it more real to more and ever narrowing niches of people and talent? Yes, it's great. Your employer brand makes perfect sense for tech people, but the difference between a data scientist and an AI developer and a full stack developer and the architect who manages all the backend stuff, radically different. And unless you really dive in deep, you don't notice that. You just made a tech-focused employer brand or EVP, whatever. You have to get it more narrow. You have to get it more specific. And you have to find a way to make sure that it connects. This idea of care and feeding also means that how do you get leadership involved? You can't just say, hey, we did it, we launched it, we're good. You have to get their buy-in on a regular basis. Too many companies have what you know we lovingly refer to as idea of the month or idea of the quarter, or sometimes idea of the week, where a good idea, a good project gets lost in the shuffle because the next week or the next month, it changes anyway, or some new priority comes. There's too many priorities in every business and in every person. They're always juggling those priorities. How do you make sure that your employer brand stays a priority? The leadership is also a priority to everybody else in the company. You care and feed it. The reason why this is complicated is because the next version is a different way of looking at the same idea. And that is the sixth reason employer brands fail. And I'm, gonna, I'm realizing I'm going to start to glue them together a bit after unpacking them a bit. And that is integration and activation. Taking the employer brand, connecting the dots, showing how each person can live it and breathe it, how it means something to them, how it uh, extends out, it turns into content, it turns into social, it turns into reviews, it turns into all this stuff. But again, having integrated it within every little element of the company, having activated by building content and sharing it out, the care and feeding part is, okay, do it some more. The job is truly never done. Even if you spent a lot of time, energy, even if you spent money on an amazing EVP, that's step one and that doesn't change. You always have to keep adding to it. You always have to keep looking at it and saying, is there a better way to tell this story? Is there a way to use this lens to tell the story that we're telling today? The story you want to tell when your company's having a good quarter versus having a bad quarter is different. You can't just assume I told the story, we're done. You can't do that. As technology changes, as the roles of people change, as expectations change, as a company itself matures, as you go from startup to large startup to more established to something bigger, as you grow, as your, your, succeed, your successes and your failures integrate, do you have people who've been here a long time? Do you have people who haven't been here very long? How are you integrating and impacting the culture? So the idea, all those things feed in to the employer brand. So as you're managing the employer brand, having launched it, you've got to figure out how to keep it top of mind, how to keep it interesting, how to keep it meaningful and real, how to make sure a tiny little bit of it exists in everything your company does, that you're feeding it the stories and content that other people can share, that other people can use to activate it, that other people can use to advocate, and you're seeing the bigger picture, that you're making sure that the story told way over here on the left is handed to the person way over here on the right because they need to know that story. They need to share that story. Employer brand management is a lot like owning a factory and you do have to manage your inputs and you do have to manage your time and you do have to manage your priorities. 
Is the priority of the week getting videos put together so you can have a whole video strategy? Maybe. Is the priority for you this week is writing reviews? Maybe. Is it writing better job postings? Maybe. Is it writing the boilerplate that starts every job post and maybe starts your career site or how do you integrate those two ideas? Maybe. I always joke that when I thought about employer brand over a Groupon, I saw it as a series of tiny, or not tiny actually, pretty big boulders. And every morning I'd wake up and I'd go to work and I'd start at the first boulder and I'd give it a push and it would move an inch or two forward and then I'd go to the next boulder and give it a push. And I would do the entire line, go home, and the next morning I'd do it all over again. And every once in a while, one of those boulders would go glunk and would land where it needed to go and I would have a tiny little three-second victory party in my head. Yay, we finished a project. It's done. And two more boulders would appear at the end of the line. That is employer branding. You are always finding ways to reintegrate, to reactivate, to take a story you told two years ago and find a way to give it new life. Maybe you told a story about someone who's still here. Go have them go back and revisit the story. Is there any other kind of information you can put on the end of it? Is there any kind of like, and then that turned into this. You know, anything that you can use to turn the story and give it new life. Usually when we're building employer brands, we only look at a very small slice of the past of the company. Think of, you know, what if you're a company that's been around for 100 years? You're a bank, um, you're a massive uh, car company, uh, you're an energy company, well, you've been around for decades and decades and decades. What that company was in the 1920s and the 1950s is not who you are today. And usually when you're trying to solve problems and you're trying to figure out how to tell the story of what this company is about today, you're not looking very far in the past. You're focused on today because people aren't applying for the job in 1950, they're applying for the job today. And that makes sense. But as you do the job, as you invent and reinvent the employer brand, you begin to establish a historical kind of tale on what happened. You can show at the very beginning, you launched it and you do A and B, and then after six months you did A, B, C, and D, and after a couple more months you got an E and F onto it, and over time you can start to build it. And then you go back and you look after a year or two and you go, okay, how do I take A and show you how it changed today and how it makes sense today? How do I take A and B and say, you know what, we don't do B anymore, but I can wrap it up. I can put a, a bow on it and say, that was a project we did and let me tell you the three people who did it and let me show you where they went since. There's all sorts of ways to tell the story because, and there will always be lots of ways, because you are telling human stories. I've said this before, that the employer brand is functionally the most human element of the corporate brand. Humans telling human stories about the human experience. As your company changes, each human changes. As you hire, as you grow, as you fire, as you shrink, all of those things changes the human experience. So if you've got a story from a year ago, back when you were fat and happy with all that funding money, or you had an amazing year and everybody got massive bonuses, and all your stories talk about how amazing and successful that company is, and then you had a down couple of quarters, or the economy went south for a bit before it kind of bottomed out and is starting to grow back up again, the story you tell now should not be how amazingly successful we are, because you are not amazingly successful. However, you can tap into past success. You can talk about how you used to be this thing and you're looking to grow back into those successes. You're looking to develop and find new ways back into that level of success. You can use it as a historical talking point to show you the direction of how you're moving forward. Usually when we do this, we look at for the last five seconds of information. If you can start to tell a deeper story, one with historical legs, it has more meaning. You're not telling the story of today. You're not telling the story of a snapshot. You're telling the story of a history. 
And a history, as every good history major knows, is living. It doesn't stop at the Civil War. It doesn't stop at the Revolutionary War. It doesn't stop at World War II like so many of our um, you know, middle school textbooks did. It continues today. The stuff that's happening today in politics and the world and, and life is part of the history of tomorrow. So telling the story today, you are setting up a history. So your job is to occasionally turn back and look and say, as I'm feeding this beast, as I'm activating it, what does the difference between where we were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, from today, tell us about the stories I could be telling in the future? And that's an amazing opportunity for you. Now, getting back to the original point of why employer brand fails, let's talk about how these two ideas lead to failure. The first is you simply don't give proper I don't know, respect to the amount of work it's going to take to do care and feeding, right? You just go, I launched it, we're good. But of course, that's not the thing. Most of us spend all of our time thinking about how to launch the thing, how to fix it. It's, let's, let's call it a, a career site, a website, right? And those, I've done that a bunch of times, and I understand the, the process. Right? You have to get everybody excited about a new design, and you get some buy-in for a new design, and this person likes this blue, and this person likes this red, whatever. You, you manage the process, and it's, it's a slog. <laughs> it's no fun, and the design that you like the most doesn't get picked. Oh, no. But you're going to, hey, you're just glad something got picked. You're going to keep moving it forward, and maybe you can add some of the elements and touches that you really liked from your design. You can kind of slide them into this other design that everybody else seemed to like, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Do that. It's a lot of work. And then you gotta code it. And then you gotta fill it full of content. And then you gotta look at the content. And then you gotta like get 10 other people to look at the content to make sure you didn't say something stupid or that it made sense to somebody besides you. Um, that's, that's, that's a lot of work. And then of course, the, f- the, the fear when you hit that button, right? You've got it on a test site, it looks right. You've kicked the tires a million times. You think it's right. But you hit the button and it, you know, you got now you got to go test everything to make sure it's right on the live site. And then you got to go track down the bugs and solve the problem. It's a lot of work. And when you go through that process, your instinct is to say, okay, we're done. But you're not. Because all the work and time you spent at that, you're now going to want to think, okay, now I'm going to move to the next project. No, 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 no. You've now adopted a website. It's like a puppy or a person. You need to manage it every single day. You need to make sure it has food. You have to make sure it stays clean. You have to occasionally go let it go to the bathroom someplace or you know, clean that process up. It is a process. And if having adopted a website, you have to treat it like you would a pet or a person. You have to go through process and it doesn't ever stop. So if you thought you could launch the thing and go to the next thing, you can't. What you have to do is figure out what are systems you can build to automate some, not all, some of the care and feeding so that you can put your attention to other things. Not just new projects, but also to say, okay, let me take a step back from this website. It took six months to launch this thing. Maybe it took you longer. And in the six months since your first sketches and your first creative brief, maybe things have changed. Maybe it's time to think about how do I make those changes not on a yearly basis or a quarterly basis, but how do I make those tiny changes all the time? How do I make uh, um, these tiny little elements, these adjustments as you go so that no one notices huge changes, but they always feel like the site is always evolving in the right direction? That is a lot of work. And until you automate the systems that care and feed, you cannot step back from that. So to say that your site is launched and it's done is not done. It's not done until you have systems in place, people in place, resources in place to do the care and feeding for you. Because if it's not, you have to do it because you're not allowed to walk to the next project until you establish that. 
But then how do you integrate it so that you can say, okay, I want everyone to tell the story. I want everyone to share this website. I want everyone's voice to be on this website. What are the things I'm going to do to integrate that? How do I make sure marketing is looking at my website when they're building their own marketing so they can steal ideas? And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a really, really good thing because you can say, look, see how well integrated we are. And powerful integration is powerful employer branding. So if they're stealing stories or photos or ideas, that's great. Encourage that. But that's a function of integration. And if you're just managing your little silo and launching it and putting it out in the world and forgetting about it, they're going to forget about it too. So your job is to activate and integrate what your work is to every aspect of the company. That's the trick. Now, I work on an agency side right now, and that's really all about how do I get you to understand the data behind it, how do I help you build that EVP, and how do I help you activate it? But at no point would I ever tell a customer or a client, that's all you got to do. <laughs> no, because having spent a good deal of money, time, and energy to get an agency like mine to put this thing out in the world and show you how to manage it, you still have to manage it you still are always looking for opportunities to integrate it. You're always looking for opportunities to put your work in front of people on a stage, to grab the microphone, to move it forward, to remind people that what you're doing is changing the company or moving the company forward. Why should some brand new sales associate care about the employer brand? Because of this, this, this. Why should some four-year four tenured sales leader care about the employer brand? Because this, this, this. And by the way, those this, this, this is are going to be different. So how do you make sure that you're delivering the right this, this, this reasons to the right person at the right time? Have you worked with your, have you worked to integrate with onboarding? That's something we haven't talked about this whole series. You want to make sure these people who saw your employer brand, who are the best chance you have of asking how and what your employer brand looks like to someone not quite on the payroll yet, what is it? What did you think you were getting into? What did you think about this company before you looked for a job? Where did you think you learned that? Where did you absorb information? Where did you look for a job? How did you look for a job? What were you looking for in a job? You can go back to that framework I talked about the last episode to say, look, of these 40 things, what do you see in our company? What of this was made you most attracted to this organization? There's a huge amount of research and data to be found just by doing that. But that means building a system where every time someone's hired, whether it's, uh, you know, if you're in a smaller company, you can do it for every single hire once every couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. If you're in a much bigger company, how do you integrate this into the onboarding process so that when they show them the, the new hires, the video, you show up and talk for 20 minutes about the employer brand and ask them some questions and maybe give them a survey. What did you think about Excuse me, what did you think about the employer brand before you got here? Where did you learn about information? Having seen the job, what are all the places you went to learn about us? What did you learn? Collecting that information. You have to build that as a system, as a process, because that's going to drive more and more information. Because as the tools and the channels and the ecosystem in which we all live changes, the answers to those questions will change. And you need to evolve to meet the changing reality of those answers. You don't know when the next Muse, Glassdoor, Fairy God Boss, what have you, is going to emerge and you need to be aware of it. There's a number of rating sites. I am blown away by the number of people who say, you know what this world needs? Another job rating site. And I go, really? Are you sure? But then again, I go to cities and you're like, hey, this is the city who had seven antique shops. And someone says, you know what this city needs? An eighth. 
I don't get it, but that's me. But they do it, and frankly, they find ways of being successful. So as new channels emerge, how do you become, how do you put your pulse on the changing nature of what it's like to get, find a job? That's the process. But you can't just do it once. You have to do it every single time. That's what I mean by developing a system that allows you to automate some of that stuff. So it's a Google form or a survey monkey, or it's a, a video you shoot that you show those people, those new staff with a, a link that you want them to send, an email that you automate it, and you have the HRIS system automatically send it the day before or the day after they show, whatever it is. That's a system. That's a process. That's how you engage it. And until you build that, you can't say that part of the employer brand aspect, the data collection, the research, the continual process improvement model of this is done. And we don't take that into account. Employer brands fail because they think you do it once and you're done. Or that you can just throw, quote unquote, some kid or worse, some recruiter. And I say worse because you should never say just some recruiter because they do amazing work. But just throw that person at the – yeah, you just keep writing the tweets. Just keep writing the stories. Great. You do that. No. <laughs> Until the person who understood how the employer brand was first shaped understands how the employer brand is changing – you can't say that you're integrating. You can't say that you're care and feeding. You can't say that you're activating it for the long term. All you can say is you're activating it today. And that short level thinking is what is anathema to everything that employer brand stands for. Employer brand is the long game. It's the infinite game. Thinking about how do I solve this today is not the way you win an infinite game. You have to also think long term. And unless you think long-term, you will eventually turn yourself into the person who orders swag. And to me, that is the lowest form of employer brand life, or at least that's the, that's the lowest of the low by still calling yourself employer brand. People see you as the person who orders the swag. They see you as ineffectual. They see you as an order taker. They do not see the value of what you do. If you are getting to the, purse, to the point where people mostly see you, see you as the person who orders the swag, you need to reevaluate the work you're doing and how you're communicating that work out. You need to show how what you're doing. Yes, swag ordering is certainly part of it in many cases. I'm not above ordering swag. You want some pens? You want some water bottles? You need a sticker? Boom, I'm on it. But if most of the company sees me mostly as the person who they order swag from, whoops, I've made some uh, a strategic error, as it were. So that's where the employer brands fail. So let's quickly review the six reasons why employer brands fail. Allow me to turn and look at my whiteboard. Okay, first, it's built on the wrong stuff. Second, you have the wrong goals and in intentions. Third, let's see, looking, um, it reflects politics and not reality. Fourth, uh, where to go? The ownership issue, where it's owned, you do not are not cognizant of the the pros and cons of who owns the employer brand. Fifth, care and feeding, got to have care and feeding plan. And sixth, the integration and activation of that employer brand. Hope you enjoy the series. Uh, pretty much, I think if I'm scheduling this right, I'm pretty much about to land at the end of the month, which means the next episode should be some sort of year-end wrap-up, maybe some thank yous, certainly some thank yous. Um, but there you go. So hopefully you got something out of it. Hopefully there's something there you can see, ah, I'm wandering close to that particular third rail. I need to be cognizant of that and maybe steer away from the problem or at least plan how to manage the problem. Let's be fair, most problems are not 
avoidable. Some of them are, are meteors hurtling at us, and we just simply have to say, okay, how do I deal with this? So hopefully this was useful. I appreciate you listening as always. Um, just, you know, hey, uh, subscribe to the newsletter, get in touch with me, sign up for office hours, ask me questions, just hang out with me, whatever you want. I will talk to you soon. I appreciate all of you listening. Um, I'll see you next week. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or Let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.